But this morning we're uh, in a sermon series called Intentionally Intentional. So we want to be very intentional about certain things uh, in this new season that we're in. So in the fall, you know, a lot of folks are going back to school. Uh, if you have children or grandchildren, you know, they're getting ready. And some of them have already started. Some of them will start. And so uh, for a lot of folks, it's a brand new rhythm. It's a brand new season. It's uh, the beginning of a new schedule. For others, uh, you know, the fall doesn't really change. Your work is the same as it is. But for those who are really starting to have some, some changes or some adjustments, we want to encourage all of us to be very intentional about certain things. Now, last week, Fran shared with you at the beginning of her service sermon uh, the lyrics to a country song, Heads California, Tails Carolina. Remember that? And, uh, and, she, and, and the lyrics of that country song basically said, it doesn't matter where we go. We can flip a coin. We can go to Carolina. We can go to California. As long as we're together, that's the most important thing. And so what she said was, you know, if you don't know where you're going and you don't care where you're going, the decisions you make aren't that significant. Uh, and I want to give you a quote that you probably already know from the Cheshire Cat. This is Lewis Carroll's uh, Alice in Wonderland. The Cheshire Cat said, if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. You've heard that before. So if it doesn't matter, you can flip a coin, or if you don't really know where you're going to go, it, it, the decisions you make aren't that significant. But if we want to be intentionally intentional, which we want to be, then every decision we make is very, very important, is very, very significant. So last week, Fran encouraged us to, to think about our Sabbath, uh, think about the rhythm of, of rest and work. And, and, and the Old Testament word, that's, that word Sabbath means to stop and to, let me make sure I get this right, delight, stopping to delight. So when we Sabbath, it's a time to rest, it's a time to delight in the Lord, and uh, we want to encourage you to, to make sure you're looking at the rhythm of your life and, and take some time to, to do that. Uh, don't just, just go 100 miles an hour, but take some time to rest and stop and to delight. This morning, I want us to look at what's in a name. <clears throat> so I'm going to ask you, and then I'm going to call on you if you're willing to, to share, uh, but there's great insight in one particular person in the scripture, lots of them, but one I'm going to focus on when it comes to the name. So did any of you guys have a nickname growing up? And I'm going to ask you, first of all, if you had a nickname that stuck, so those are the first people I want to talk to and ask you to share if you're willing to. And then there's a second little group, if you had a nickname you don't mind sharing with us that did not stick. I'm in that category. I'm going to share with you, too. Uh, and I don't want them to stick, so don't, but you, you can pick them up if you want to. All right, so who had a nickname growing up that has stuck, and that's what people call you? Raise your hand, I'm calling you. Yes, Sophia. Sophie, I call you Sophie. I thought, that, all right, yes. Liz, I, and I call you Liz, yeah. So who else has a, a nickname that's stuck? Yes. Waiter. Waiter? Waiter. Oh, so how'd you get the nickname? Oh, I like that. Right, so, well, anyway, I like that. Who else has one that you don't mind sharing? A nickname that's stuck. Nickname people call you by. Yes. Jen. And so what is your given name? Jennifer. Jennifer, so they call you Jen. All right, I like that. Anybody else? I'll get one or two more. Oh, don't be shy. Yes. But your name's Grant, and they call you Granny? 
Oh, we won't call you that, so thank you. <laughs> we don't want that one to stick, amen? I hear you, all right. Who's got one? Yes. Wow. Kenneth Allen Moat. Now, we all call you Cam, so thank you for sharing that. All right. All right. Who has a nickname, Grant, you want yours to stick, but who has a nickname that hasn't stuck that you had some, some season of your life and you want to share? Yes. Chad? Chad? Tab. 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 All right. I'm glad it didn't stick. I like your name. Who else has one? Yes. Rita. All right, didn't stick. Yes. Oh, is that how you got that? Rita, I like that. I like that. That's not bad. Not bad. Who's got one? Anybody? Yes. Spider. How'd you get that nickname? What? Yeah, dads named their kids and granddads named their so Spider, and it didn't stick, so that's good. So, all right. Yeah, I, you know, I. All of my girls have nicknames, so um, Mary was Sweet Potato, and so I started calling Claire, her oldest daughter, Sweet Potato, and she said, Granddaddy, I'm not a sweet potato, and I was like, well, you're not, sweetheart, that's right, that's your mama, your mama's Sweet Potato, you know, and Liv's, Elizabeth, uh, uh, was Libby Gongones, so that was, you know, Liv's, Libby Gongones, and then Katie is Katie Bug, Catherine, Katie Bug, so that's what I call them, so uh, Sweet Potato, Libby Gongones, and Katie Bug. So if you hear me talk about my daughters, I try to use their given name, but when, when we're at the house, that's what I call them. Anybody else have one that didn't stick? All right, well, yes. What? Hulabee? Was that a daddy given name? Or, or granddad? Oh, oh, Lula. oh, I like that. See, yeah, you don't like it. I'm glad it didn't stick, yeah. Well, I had two names uh, growing up that didn't stick, which I'm glad, but um, my sophomore year in high school, they'll let sophomores play on the varsity football team at Columbus High, so I was moved up to varsity, and, and we were working on how to block a punt, so the head coach, Alvin Pig Davis, that was his nickname, Pig Day, played at Alabama, um, he had five sons that all played at Alabama, and many of them were national champions, so anyway, Coach Davis was, was a legend in Columbus. Um, but anyway, he would always have a toothpick in his mouth, and so he was getting somebody that was going to show how to block the punt. So there was going to be a guy punting the ball, and you had to run and dive in the air in front of this guy to block it. So he looks at me, and he says, hey, Tony Magoni, come up here. Now, he knew my name was Mark because my dad was one of the coaches. He said, hey, Tony Magoni, come up here. So a lot of the guys started calling me Tony Magoni in high school. I'm glad it didn't stick, but, but, but if you call me that, that's fine. And then in college, I had a, a dear friend, and he knew my middle name started with a Z. Y'all don't know what it is, and I'll tell you in a minute if you want to know. But anyway, so he would call me Z, and so that didn't stick either. But anyway, if you ever see this guy, he'll call me Z, and if you want to know. But my middle name is Zenon, Z-E-N-O-N. So that's a trivia question if you ever want to know what's Mark's middle name, Zenon. Uh, and that's the name my dad gave me, and I'm glad it, nobody calls me Zenon. Uh, but he'll call me that so when my dad was mad at me. He'd say, Zenon, you know, so uh, don't do that to David. So <laughs> All right, so, so what's in a name? So many times we see that names are significant. They, they are, are sometimes they're not. And, uh, and we get nicknamed or we get named a lot of different ways. And in the scriptures, we see a lot of situations where people uh, are named based on how they look 
or what is happening in their culture at the time, or, or just there's just lot. Sometimes they're named after someone in their family, uh, or what they're going to do in the kingdom of God. Let me give you a couple examples. Uh, in Genesis chapter 11, we see there's a man named Abram and his wife Sarai, and so Abram means exalted father, and so. Uh, we're introduced to Abram, and God changes his name several chapters later to Abraham, which means father of a multitude. And Sarah was named from Sarai to Sarah. Sarah means princess. And so when God speaks to them that they're going to have a child, Abraham laughs. And the name of Abraham's child with Sarah is Isaac, which means he laughs. And so we see those names given. Uh, Esau, in Genesis 25, you got Jacob and Esau. Esau was the firstborn of the twins. And who knows uh, anything about Esau? You want to volunteer? Yes. He was red, and he was very hairy. And when he came out of the womb, it was uh, noticed that he had red hair, like a rug. And so they named him Esau, which means red. And then Jacob, his brother, when he came out, he was actually holding on to Esau's a foot and so his name means one who surplants or one who um, takes hold of the heel so that's interesting so those two guys were named based on what they experienced in their birth and what they looked like and what they were doing uh, some of the sons of, of Jacob uh, those 12 boys were named for different situations that were going on there uh, in the book of Ruth you see Naomi whose name is pleasant uh, when she uh, and her husband and her sons go to Moab, uh, unfortunately, she experiences a lot of loss. Not only does her husband die during that season, but her two boys die. And as they come back to Bethlehem, she and Ruth, and, and that's a wonderful story, and everybody in Bethlehem says, oh, Naomi, it's so good to see you, so good to see you. She said, please don't call me Naomi, which means pleasant. Call me Mara, which means bitter. She said, for the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. So she didn't want them to call her Naomi, which means pleasant, but bitter. Uh, there's other names in the, in the Old Testament. I want to share just one last one with you. This is kind of a, a, a name that you, probably nobody wants. Um, but this is in 1 Samuel chapter 4. And so the Israelites are fighting against the Philistines, big, big rival through the years, uh, enemy. So they go up against the Philistines. Uh, this is the time before David. And 4,000 Israelites die in this battle. So they come back, they're distraught, and they say, let's regroup, let's go back and fight the Philistines, but let's take the Ark of the Covenant. Let's take God's presence with us, because we will surely win the battle against the Philistines. So there's, they bring the Ark of the Covenant into the camp, they're shouting, the Philistines hear this noise, the, the earth is thundering, and they're saying, what's going on? Well, the Ark of the Covenant's been brought into the camp of the, of the Israelites, and so they gear up, they fight. The Israelites did not win. They actually lost 30,000 men in that battle, and the Ark of the Covenant was taken, and the Philistines now have the Ark of the Covenant, which represented God's presence among the people. And the priest of the time, Eli, unfortunately, had two sons that were, were not good, but they were serving as priests, and in this battle, they were there. Both of them get killed. So the report comes back to the priest, Eli, not only have we lost 30,000 people, and your two sons, but the Ark of the Covenant was taken by the Philistines. And when Eli hears the news, because he's 
large man. He falls back off of what he's sitting and he breaks his neck and he dies. His daughter-in-law is pregnant. When she hears the, the news of all of that, she, the distress, she goes into labor and she gives birth to a son and she names him Ichabod, which means no glory. The glory of the Lord has departed from Israel. Yes. Woo, man. Hey, what's your name? Ichabod. Ooh, you know, <laughs> you don't want that name. So don't name your kid Ichabod. I know Ichabod Crane and the Headless Horseman. But yeah, just that, that's not a, not a good name. Well, well, what's that? I hate that. Yeah, I would too, Grant. I would not want that name at all. All right, so let's jump to the New Testament real quick. And that's where we're going to pick up with our scripture today. But uh, uh, a couple of things before we get to the scripture for the day. Uh, one is Jesus would give names to some of his followers. And we see in Mark 3 where the list of the disciples are there, uh, Jesus calls uh, Simon Peter, which means what? Rock, yes. And then there's two brothers, John and James, and uh, they're given the nickname Sons of Thunder, uh, Barnerges, so that Jesus changed these guys' names, and that's what he would call them. So I think that's interesting. Um, Now let's look at our passage of scripture today. If you're... um, with us, you've got uh, in your bulletin the, the, the scripture, and I did lose, forget my glasses, so we're gonna, this is going to be challenging. Um, all right, so verse 36 of Acts 4, it says, there was a Levite, a native of Cyprus, Joseph, to whom the apostles gave the name Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, verse 37. He sold a field that belonged to him, and he brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So here's a guy named Joseph, which is a great name, a very biblical name, a very famous biblical name. And because of how Joseph lived, because of who he was, how he treated people, the apostles who knew him and had interacted with him at some point said, you know what? You are so encouraging. You are so uplifting. You are so strong in your faith. We're just going to call you Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. So when I think about being intentional, intentionally intentional, what direction are we going to go? We're not going to flip a coin or we're going to, you know, get out of California. We're not going to go to Carolina. Uh, We're not going to choose any paths. But what path are we on? Well, the path we're on, for me, uh, comes out of 1 Timothy. There's lots of things, but 1 Timothy 1.5. Let me look at this with you. Paul writes to Timothy and he says, But the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. So I want us to be very intentional about living a life that is characterized by love. Now that's basic Christianity. What are the two greatest commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. So so in this new season, or this season in the fall, let's be very intentional about how we love. 1 Corinthians 13 gives us a great list of, of characteristics and qualities But this morning, I want to focus on one of these aspects of lots of things we could focus on, and that is encouragement. Encouragement. Barnabas was a son of encouragement. He was someone who just exuded encouragement. Uh, And that's, uh, we see all throughout Scripture, the importance of that. So let's take a look at Barnabas real quick, and let's apply some of these things to our life, and let's celebrate the good things. So so he's called son of encouragement. Uh, One of the things we see is that he was very generous. God had blessed him with some property. 
And, uh, and he said, you know what, I'm going to do a lot of good with what God's entrusted to me, so I'm going to sell this property and I'm going to give it to the apostles and let them use those resources to help people in need. And people have done that all throughout history, and he was a great example of that. Now the next chapter, chapter 5 of Acts, gives you the flip side of how that's not a good thing to do if you don't do it with the right heart, which Barnabas did it with the right heart. And there were two people, Ananias and Sapphira. Now that's the South Georgia way to pronounce it, Sapphira. Uh, when I was in seminary, I'll tell you this embarrassing moment in my life, uh, I, I was taking uh, a, a class under Dr. Green, and a uh, great New Testament scholar, Greek scholar, and he started talking about Acts chapter 5, because <clears throat> it was a book of Acts that we were going through. And he said, we're introduced to this couple, Ananias and Sapphira. So I raised my hand. Not a good thing to do. I raised my hand. He says, Mark, got a question. I said, Dr. Green, it, isn't it Sapphira? In my South Georgia twang. He smiled at me. He said, Mark, have you read it in the Greek? I said, no, sir. I just know that we say Sapphira in Columbus, Georgia, where I grew up. And he said, okay. Well, Ananias and Sapphira. So, <laughs> and I was like, kind of felt kind of bad. Anyway, so, uh, but it just sounded funny in my ear, Sapphira. Anyway, but I, I've always called her Sapphira. But the bottom line is in chapter 5, you have this couple who do the same thing. They, they have some wealth. They sell the property. They bring a portion of it. Uh, the husband does, lays it at the apostles' feet and, and says, this is what I got for selling it. Now, the problem was they lied. Let's say they got $500 for selling it. They only brought $250, and they brought that and said, this is what we got. Now, there would have been nothing wrong with saying, we sold a piece of property, $500, here's $250, do with it what you want to do. That's okay. It's your property because that's what Peter said. It's, it was yours to do what you wanted to do with it. Why did you lie? Why did you deceive? Why did you act like, you know? And so uh, he, he drops dead. And everybody's like, ooh. Later on, his wife comes in. She doesn't know it. She says, uh, we sold some property. And he said, well, did you get such and such for it? She said, yeah. And he said, well, why did you lie? You know, the same people who took your husband out are fixing to take you out. She drops dead. It says, fear gripped the entire church. So, the, you know, it's like, man. And I think I'm digressing here, but it's like if God judged us every time we sinned, which we deserve, none of us would be here. But God judged their sin immediately. He chose to do that, and, and, and it taught the church a great lesson. Be honest, be truthful, um, and, and unfortunately it cost two people's lives. But, but, you know, God's mercy is not to judge me when I sin. If I, if, if I wouldn't be here, you know, so, um, but I digressed. So the bottom line is he, he was in, he's generous. Then we're introduced to, to Barnabas a second time. The second time, we find, second time we find out about him is in Acts chapter 9. Now here's what's cool about Acts chapter 9. We're, uh, we see the conversion of Paul. His name was Saul. He, he, he sees Jesus on, the, on his way to Damascus to arrest some Christians, and, uh, and he gets converted. Uh, we're not going to take the time to talk about this powerful story. Um, so he, he becomes a Christian. He's been persecuting Christians, and now he becomes a Christian because he believes that Jesus truly is the Messiah. I've seen the risen Lord. He is God in the flesh. And so he's talking to the Christians. Instead of arresting them and throwing them in jail, he says, man, I, I, I believe now. I believe that Jesus is the Christ. I, I know that he is real. And, and they didn't believe him. They were like, oh, you know, um, people start getting saved in Damascus, and, and revival kind of breaks out. 
So the Jewish leaders are like, wait a minute, we don't like this. You know, here's Paul who was on our side trying to stamp out Christianity. Now he's on the other side talking about Jesus being God in the flesh. And so they, they plot to kill Paul, Saul. So the, the Christians in Damascus say, we got to get you out of the town, the garden, the, the gate. So why don't we let you out a window on the, on the wall of the city in a basket? And they let him out and he escaped. And he comes down to Jerusalem. And he's preaching and he's teaching and everybody's like, wait a minute, didn't you just leave to go to Damascus to arrest Christians and now you're talking about Christianity? What is going on? He said, man, I know that Jesus is, is, is God. I know that he died on the cross for me. I know that he's raised from the dead. I've seen him. And so nobody believed him or it was hard for them to believe. And then verse 27, Acts 9 says, but Barnabas, he takes hold of Paul. He spends time with him and he brings him to the apostles. He said, this guy truly did get converted. I listened to his story. I know he's not faking us out. I know he's not trying to do this to deceive us and get us thrown in jail. He truly is a Christian. He truly is a believer in Jesus. So it was Barnabas who said, I will take a risk and I will talk to this guy and get to know him and check him out. In Acts chapter, Acts chapter 19, we see there's a revival that breaks out in Antioch. Now Paul has gone to Tarsus, his hometown, after being in Jerusalem. And so uh, they hear about a lot of people getting saved in Antioch, which is way north of Jerusalem. And so they send Barnabas, the church council sends Barnabas up there to check it out. Here's how they describe Barnabas, verse 24 of Acts 11. A good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and of faith. So he goes up to Antioch, he checks things out. Everybody that got saved, they're celebrating. And he says, man, such great things are happening. I need somebody to help disciple and equip these people let me think of who I can get, who knows the scriptures, who believes in Christ, who's got the passion, who's got this Holy Spirit. He says, Saul, Paul. So he goes to Tarsus, which is about 85, 86 miles away, grabs Paul and says, uh, hey man, you got to come to Antioch with me. Great things are happening. So he brings Paul to Antioch. They stay there about a year and they disciple the new believers. So it's, it's great. So um, a couple more things about Barnabas. So uh, in Acts 13, we see that... Uh, the church is praying, uh, and, and they say, you know, uh, Holy Spirit, what do you want us to do? And the Holy Spirit says, I want you to bring Paul and Barnabas, Saul and Barnabas, bring them here, lay hands on them, pray for them, and send them out to take the message where I'm going to lead them. So that's what they do. And so in, in Acts chapter 13, they start their first missionary journey. They do, Paul does three that we have written in the book of Acts. And, and Barnabas and Paul are the guys that are going on this, this missionary journey that's described in the book of Acts. They see great things happen. People get saved. There's all kind of great miracles. Uh, the Greeks even call Barnabas Zeus, which is the ultimate god. And then the other one, they call Paul because he's the speaker. They call him one of the other deities. But, but they're like, no, no, we're not God. We're just telling you about God. And so just great things are happening. They come back after that missionary journey. They talk to the church council in Acts 15, and they say, great things happened, but here's what we were preaching. Let's make sure we didn't mess up the message. They said, yeah, what you did was great. And then Paul and Barnabas said, hey, why don't we go check on these churches that got started? Let's go see how they're doing. So Barnabas says, oh, that's a great idea. But there's somebody I want to bring along. There's somebody I think who will do really good work and help us along. His name is John Mark. And Paul's like, wait a minute. No, he deserted us earlier on in our missionary journey. I don't want to take him along. And Barnabas said, no, no, he, he left, but he's a good guy. I think he's, we can invest him in. He's going to do good. And Paul's like, no, I don't want to take him. So such a dispute arose between uh, Paul and Barnabas about this guy. 
that they parted ways. And Paul takes a guy named Silas, and they start traveling. And Luke, who writes the book of Acts, travels with Paul and Silas. So the rest of the book of Acts, you find out what's going on with um, Paul and Silas. But it says that Barnabas took John Mark, and he went to Cyprus, which is one of those big islands in the Mediterranean Sea. Now, here's the thing. Let's, let's bring it to, let's kind of conclude some things here. So, so here's Barnabas, this guy who was called a son of encouragement. And not only does he believe that Paul is this guy that needs to be checked out, so he goes and he spends time with him and he brings him to the apostles. But when great things are happening, he thinks, who can I get to also be involved? And he brings Paul back into the picture. They go on this missionary journey. And then when they decide who to take on the second one, he said, let's take this guy. I know he's rough. I know he's not, he's not poised. I know he's got some growing to do. But I believe in him. I, I see great things in him. Let's take him. And Paul said, no. I can't trust him. I'm not going to take him. So if we had written, if Luke had gone with, with Barnabas and, and, and John Mark, we would have had a different slant on the book of Acts. Great things would have happened. There would have been great stories. But he could have written the great things that had happened. Now, here's what we, the scholars think about John Mark. They believe that he's the guy that wrote the book of Mark. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the second gospel. So if it is them then his time with Barnabas really built him up and encouraged him. Uh, and most scholars think that, that Mark, the book of Mark, was written by this guy, John Mark, but also that it was Peter who was really telling him all the stories and that Mark wrote these things down based on things that Peter had explained. And if that's, if that's true, which it could be true, the fact that Barnabas believed in this young guy and invested in his life and said, I want to encourage you in your faith. I want to build you up and not tear you down. I don't want to keep harping on the fact that you've deserted us, but I want to believe in you and speak those words of life into you. That's what we can take and say, man, great thing. So I hope as I look at Barnabas, what's in the name of Son of Encouragement, that as I love well, as you love well during the season, that we would be people that would build up with our words and not tear down, that we would be people that would encourage one another and see the best in somebody and see the potential in somebody and not write them off if they do something that isn't necessarily great. Can you imagine what it would be like if we would live this way, being an encouragement in our family? Man, if the things that were said under your roof were words that would build up and not tear down, words that would be positive, words that would speak to the, the person that God has made that individual to be, um, how would life be like? Think about some of you students, you know, when you go to school, what would, what would your class be like if everybody in there would speak these positive words, words that would build up and not tear down? If you wouldn't be, we would say cut it down. I don't know if y'all use that word anymore, but man, that guy cut him down. Y'all use that term, they jank on is another word. Man, he got janked on. I mean, that's all these, that's back from the 70s. Sorry about that. But, but the idea of, you know, just, just saying words that hurt and destroy. What would, what would school be like for you guys? Think about your job. Think about your neighborhood. What would things be like if people would encourage one another? Uh, I've got a few pictures. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, the youth did something called a mestable. It was a lot of fun. It was a, a messy day out in the, in the Balkan parking lot where we're going to be tonight. Uh, so tonight, I hope you guys can come from 6 to 7.30 to our night of worship. Liz is going to tell you more about that during the announcements. But it's going to be a lot of fun tonight. hope you can come. Uh, but just a couple of pictures. Uh, um, so there's Griffin. But it was a lot of fun, man. We just we had funny games and, and just kickball. With, you had to jump into these um, pools that had, uh, you know, there's a wipeout, but you scored on that, Ellie. That was really good. But the cool thing about this whole night that I want to build up is that in all of this competition, 
there was words of encouragement spoken. They weren't trash talking, talking down about each other. I didn't hear it, uh, but they were building each other up. Uh, Ellie, you even brought somebody that was their very first Sunday, uh, a friend of the family. They're from Texas. They came that night. And I remember all of us realizing that was his first time to Martha Bowman Youth. And man, everybody started clapping and chanting his name and just encouraging him because that was his first time to be at, at a youth event. Uh, but, but the reason I'm telling you all that is that, that that night was so encouraging. That was so much fun because life was spoken. Fun was had, but everybody built each other up. And at the very end, uh, Jordan, who uh, y'all know Jordan, uh, but anyway, Jordan had um, been watching all night long. And at the end of the evening, he kind of gave out awards. And each one of these awards had to do with something that he'd noticed that was positive about that person, something they did that was encouraging, something that was, was to, to celebrate that individual. And I just think it was a great night um, to, to, to speak of encouragement. Uh, and that's what's happening here at Martha Bowman. Uh, the very first um, South Carolina softball game that I went to with Oaks, um, I, I noticed Carson, she was pitching. And in between pitches, a lot of times she would look at the second baseman, look at the shortstop, and there were things that were being said uh, between them. So later on, I said, Carson, what, tell me what was that about? And she said, Mark, in between pitches, when I look at these players, they're saying words of encouragement to me. Or I'm saying words back to them, you know, hey, we got this, you can do it, great pitch, that kind of thing. And it's not saying... Oh, why'd you throw a ball, man? You know, you should have struck. You know, it's not negative things, but it's positive things. How can you build one another up? How can we say those words that, that uh, will, will cause you to perform even better? Because someone believes in you. Somebody trusts in you. Somebody, and, and, and that's how we are to be. And that's how Barnabas was. He was that son of encouragement. So when I think about being intentional, I hope that today that we would think about what comes out of our mouth and how do we respond in a positive way and encouraging name away and what's in the name I don't want to call all you guys Barnabases but I hope that all of us would be those people that love well by being an encouragement amen